happy Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, whenever you're listening to us. We don't expect you to be right on the horn as soon as it comes out. Sarah, when do you usually uh, drop the Jan Arden podcast? Welcome everyone. Jan Arden, Sarah Burke, Jan Arden podcast and show. Here we are. Here we go. It basically comes out like around five o'clock on Fridays. We want you to have a good weekend. Um, how was your week? How's everything been going? Well, as you know, I'm dog sitting and um, I'm only used to taking care of a 12, 13 year old dog who has very low energy, doesn't even like walks. These two dogs, Marner and Ruby, are insane. <laughs> They're young. They're like puppies. Yeah. It's a little bit different, isn't it? And how old is Poppy? He's f- he's 15 months. Let's just say 15 months. Okay. Okay. He is wild. I call him Legs McGillicuddy these days, <laughs> especially since he got groomed. <laughs> He's like all legs. He's like God had extra parts left over and he put this dog together. He's a nutcake. Ruby is the the doodle, golden doodle, and she like eats everything. And if she even sees, I have a scrunchie on my hand. If she sees this, she'll be nipping at me. She wants a scrunchie. Like it, it's a lot. So I'm looking forward to finally going home. I haven't been home since Edmonton. Are you sitting at their house? Yeah, yeah. Because it's my cousin's house and like the dogs would ruin my condo, my one bedroom condo. So. Oh, God, I didn't know that. You must be homesick. I'm very homesick, and I'm looking forward to peace and quiet. Well, listen, just from a dog owner point of view, it's pretty darn sweet of you to do this because it feels so good to have your beloved family member in good hands. I think it's the worst part of going away from me. Obviously, I take Poppy with me on the road. I took Mitty with me on tours constantly, took her all through the States, took her everywhere. But, you know, when you have bigger dogs, mine flies under the seat in front of me. Bigger dogs, uh, a lot of people are like, no way, Jose, is this dog going in the undercarriage of a plane in the dead of winter, and never mind one dog, two dogs in crates. That's scary. Anything goes sideways, and you've seen what's happened with travel. Imagine people's anxiety level when they are sitting on the tarmac for four hours in a plane, being de-iced, being sent back to the gate. Their dogs are underneath. <laughs> so And they're much. thinking the whole time, no, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it in a million years. It's just impossible. So good for you for doing that. Yeah. Um, a few weird things to talk about today. Yeah. It was brought to my attention by someone named Sarah Burke. <laughs> uh, once again, we're involving the wackadoodle things that are happening in Florida. It's like 1920 in Florida. The newest wackadoodle thing is they are trying to pass legislation that says teenage girls, young girls, young women in public schools in Florida will not be permitted to speak about their periods. Sarah? They're talking about grades 6 to 10. I was thinking back to this. When did I get my period? I got my period in grade 8, okay? This is encouraging people to grow up with so much shame. You're not allowed to talk about something that you might need advice on, something that you might- Might need advice? You do need advice. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You do need advice. I was basically traumatized by my own experience getting my period because I didn't know what was going on. How about you? Me neither, sir. Me neither. You got to ask someone and it might not be the most comfortable to ask your mom or maybe you're not going to see her when it happens. I hid it from my mom for almost a year. Oh. My dad's, where's the goddamn toilet paper going to in this house? Because I was making... You were making your own pads. My own pads. You know, I'd put them in my underpants. I was 15, 16 years old. So scared. Yeah. Ashamed already. Because my mom, she was uncomfortable talking about stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, I remember sitting in class and these stupid little rolled up hard as rock toilet paper rolls. Oh would go up 
out of my underpants and start crawling out my back. Yeah. Trying to escape out of the back of my jeans. Terrible. And I'd be like trying to push them back down into place. So you're so right. The idea of getting in trouble for trying to like seek guidance on something like that. Why are they stopping this? What what is their their rationale behind putting a gag order on a bunch of young women that more than anything should be encouraged to talk to each other, to be encouraged to, you know, it's like, hey, would you like some heroin? You can say that out loud, but by God, if you say, hey, can I borrow a tampon? You're, you know, it's, it's so, it's so backwards. It's so dystopian. It's so Handmaid's Tale. The misogyny. They're classifying it under the umbrella of like sexuality. So the deeper meaning behind this is that they don't want women understanding their own bodies. that this can lead to them having a baby. Yeah. Well, guess what, you freakazoids? <laughs> Shame on each and every one of you. I hope the people of Florida rise up. I hope parents of young women and young men go to the meetings, go to the 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 gymnasiums and the classrooms and the community halls and stick your damn hands in the air and make some noise about this ridiculous stuff. You know, once again, this is a bunch of old white guys, Sarah. Mm-hmm. There's so many things wrong with this. I don't even know if there's enough years left in my life to unpack the sinister nature of actions like this against women. I had to ask my cousin Karen. I had just learned that there was tampons because it was just pads. No one talked to me about tampons. Same. This was the 70s, folks. It was a lot later for you. It was probably the 90s for you, the, the 2000s for you, for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, it was. <laughs> But anyway, my cousin Karen, she had to help show me how to where to, how to do it. Oh, I have such a I have such a vivid memory of my friend standing on the outside of the bathroom door trying to explain what to do to put exactly. the tampon in because my mom and I did not cover that. No, that's what Karen was doing for me. And my friend at the time, I'm not going to say her name because it's too weird of a name and everyone will know who it is. My friend at the time, her mom told us when we were at her house that tampons were for married people. <laughs> So that's where this is coming from. Thinking back to our conversation with Cynthia Loist at the end of last year when she came on, and she was talking about shame, right? When we talk about female sexuality and being comfortable in your own body, right? This is just such a setback to put people back into this shame mindset, right? Do people not see where this is headed? I mean, never mind Roe v. Wade being overturned. Women's right to a safe and clean and legal abortion being denied. I don't care what your views are about God or when life begins. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. Everyone's going to have to deal with their own version of God. What happens to them? If you're going to give me the God argument, then he or she will look after those people that have apparently done wrong. But in the meantime, on planet earth, it's up to the woman to decide what she does with her body. It's free speech taken away. That's what that is, right? At the end of the day. And for all you vaccine denier people that haven't wanted to go down that road, our body, our choice. Okay. How about this one? Then your argument is not going the way you want it to go. (laughs) Because what you're probably trying to say to us here at the Jan Arden podcast and show is we were forced to have a vaccination. And once again, I will tell you, no, you were not. Yeah, but we lost our jobs. I lost my job too. But anyway, the argument they think they're going to win goes down a very wrong road. Um, so that's happening in Florida. And it's frustrating. And it's, it's scary. 
And I really do wonder how parents are getting through life these days. So they think that girls are going to somehow not have sex because of not talking about their periods. This this legislation. <laughs> no, I, I I would love to get into the mind of the group of men. God help us if there's women involved in this conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that too. It's shame on shame on them. Yeah, these these are uncomfortable conversations for sure. It is not a fun topic. And this has been going on for thousands of years with women's menstruation. The taboo around it, the lack of sensitivity. Um, there's little girls in many, many parts of the world that don't have access even to um, pads and tampons, any kind of sanitary products. Because this conversation is so gagged and so stunted, you know, there should be funding to make sure a little girl in Afghanistan has a freaking sanitary pad or a little girl in Haiti. And this is all part of it. I'm, I'm bringing that up. It's kind of a stretch here, but when you're seeing a group of, a consortium of experts having a conversation like this, that's gagging period talk, menstruation talk, God forbid you should even say the word. That's how far reaching this goes. We're not getting better as a planet. We're getting worse. We are not getting better. We're doing F all about climate change, really, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. When there's projections by 2050, we're going to stop putting shit into the ocean. But, hey, listen, our goal is by 2037. <laughs> Guys, now. Ask anybody. It was yesterday. Uh, so yeah. to not leave everyone on this this low, let, let's go back to our high. Let's go back to our high. I don't have my period anymore. <laughs> How's that for a high? <laughs> I'm into menopause, man. I have paused my meno. Don't be distracted by this conversation that we've had. We just got it out of the way. But we just wanted to let you know that there's some cockadoodle-doo stuff going on in Florida. And for some reason, that little appendix of a state that hangs like a tepid wiener off the end of the United States of America is doing its thing again. Maybe we should beep out the word penis if it's making anyone uncomfortable, even though it's just like the legit term. I don't think boys, little boys, should be able to talk about her, their scrotums or lack thereof. There's got to be something that they're not allowed to talk about either. That's all I'm saying. But yes, Danny Kind. Danny Kind is our guest today. One of the lead roles in Working Moms, and the season finale is upon us, so we thought we would celebrate appropriately. And that, my friends, is why I always sleep with a pillow between my legs. Any questions? Yeah. Why the fuck are you breastfeeding your granddaughter? Anyway, don't mind me. I'm, I'm just having a moment. And the good news is it is going to get better, right? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's really good. Are you saying it doesn't? No, God, no. These are the good years. Wait until they're walking. That's when the real tornado hits. Mm -hmm. What the hell, Mom? What were you thinking? Well, I don't know, Alice. That's the whole problem, isn't it? Excuse me? The last thing those two need is a redo. What the hell were you guys thinking? You know what? I officially don't care what happened last night. I fucked up. You're right, okay? I crossed the line. I crossed many lines, and I'm horrified with myself. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that I am genuinely and incredibly sorry for ruining your first time. As promised, Danny Kind is here. She is an actor, a director, a writer, a producer, a mother, a sister, a lover, a friend. She is my friend, and we're so thrilled to have you today. Danny Kind, welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. Say hello to Sarah Burke. 
Hi, Sarah. What's up? So nice to meet you. I am not actually a lover of anyone. So Sarah, if you want to talk after the show, <laughs> let me know. Gotcha. Well, I guess I got bumped out of that line all of a sudden, but you know how it goes. When you're elderly, that's what happens. Folks. How did you guys become friends? Start me off. Oh, it's such a good story. Please, I haven't heard you say it. Well, you're the guest. I was riding the exercise bike because my level of fitness is unprecedented in this country. I think people know me for my music, but mostly for my workout stuff. So I'm on the bike, barely getting up to like one mile an hour, and I'm watching television, and it's working moms. I didn't know what it was. I just saw Catherine Reitman, and I saw this beautiful redheaded goddess and at this show was I was dying laughing and I'm like what is this I did a little research and then I went on to the World Wide web I believe it's Twitter and I just said I love this show and I'm watching working moms and I think I tagged Danny or I don't even I, I pretty sure that I did and I just like everyone's got to watch this this is probably episode one or two season one. Like I was on this show from the giddy up go. And then Danny, I think saw it on Twitter and lost my mind. I I literally like messaged all of the cast. I was like, can you fucking believe that Jan? Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? We'll just beep you out. I was like, can you fucking believe that Jan Arden tweeted about our show? Oh my God. And then I was in uh, Calgary shooting uh, Winona Earp and and we had been chatting at this point over Twitter and she invited me to go to her house. I was having a few girlfriends over. And so I'm just like, I, I sent a car to pick her up. So classy, so classy, <laughs> but she didn't tell me it was her birthday. Well, so- who's going to say that? I don't even celebrate my birthday. I don't even think my friends knew it was my birthday. Oh my God. They definitely did. They were showering you with love. You have such nice women in your life, like a really good group of women. Yeah, I just, I hired them from this agency. <laughs> made a really good impression. And I think my friend Janice drove you home, but yeah, it was kind of a potluck thing and, and we were probably trying to ply you with food and, but we hit it off immediately because we're, we were both sober girls and I think most of my friends there were having some wine and stuff and I just, we just hit it off and, and thank God through some strange series of events, Catherine Raymond reached out to me, the creator and the writer and the star of the show reached out to me, oh gosh, the following year, I think, and just said, do you ever want to do a little cameo on the show? And of course I'm freaking the hell out. Um, but to make a full, I want you to tell the story, Danny, because Danny came to see a concert of mine when she was a young woman. So I want you to tell that story. Not just one. I saw like 20 concerts of yours. I've seen you perform so many times on stage. And then my friends and I, my two best friends and I were in the front row at the NAC in Ottawa, screaming the lyrics. We were like, it was, we, we know every lyric to every song. And you, you stopped your song at one point and came over and was like, are you going to do this the whole concert, the whole show? <laughs> we were like, I can't believe she's talking to us. Oh, my God. And then you said, will you guys shut up if I bring you on stage to take a photo? And I don't even like we had the shittiest like flip phones. Like, you know, we were I had on the ugliest outfit. I probably there is a picture of this. It's so bad. I had it's not. It's the cutest thing. I had the craziest haircut. I think I had shaved my eyebrows off and penciled them on. Like it was like so awful. I, I seem to recall a mullet. 
It was so bad. Yeah. It was like short and there was a lot of product in it. Too much product. You were the cutest. When you showed me the picture, fast forward again to working moms and working together. And I play Danny's mother, which is insane. No, it's not insane. You're what? You're what? Are you 42 years old? 43, but we should play this. I'm going to be 61. I absolutely am your mother. I'll be 61 in a month. My hot mother. Hey. (laughs) That's right. Milf. (laughs) The way life weaves itself in and out of our lives, it's it really does take your breath away. When I think about your journey, you know, where where you were going, your art, your work. And then I'm winding down this road and we have that moment on stage and we have the pictures to prove it, folks. People always say picture it or it doesn't or it didn't happen. We do have a picture. And, uh, and just not only that, but just what an extraordinary person you are, what a talented actor you are. And I want to talk to you. And I know Sarah's got a bunch of questions too, but working moms, like, can you talk about what kind of a seven season journey that's been? And I know you're inundated with these questions, but what a, what a life changing series for you. And this thing is seen all over the globe. Yeah, it has been life changing and not, not in the way that I think everybody says about life changing. Like everyone was like, this is going to change your career. You've made it. I haven't made it anywhere. I had a job and now I don't have a job. Um, Says every Canadian actor. (laughs) I know. It's like I'm literally back to auditioning with the same people I've auditioned with for the past 20 years of my life. Like it's not changed in a fame kind of way or anything. It's changed in the growth of knowledge that I've gained from doing being on set for seven years in a row and working with crew and then getting to shadow and then getting to direct and, and also like working that artistic muscle for seven years. Like that has changed me as a person that's changed my life drastically for sure more than the recognition you're saying yeah yeah i mean fame and you know it's nice people are like they obviously recognize me on the street and say i mean not obviously but they say they do. every time i've ever been with you you have multiple people i love the show i love the show and they're very yeah. they're very kind about it they're not like you know, trying to rip your brassiere off. They 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 literally say, "I love the show. I've watched this. I've watched every episode." And you you really have just gotten better and better. Where you've taken Anne on this journey with you is so interesting. She's the antithesis to you, I think. Knowing you yeah. and knowing Anne, I'm just like it really is gifted acting. Talk about finding yourself in Anne because what an epic character for real. Totally, I think you playing my mom is also the antithesis of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that is not that's not you, the you that I know at all, at all, at all. The way you played my mom on that. Um, and to me is a big part of me, but it's also a combination of women that I know in my life, my sister and one of my best friends. And um, it's those parts that I relate to in them the most amplified, I think. That's the best way I could sum it up, I think. But I also think every woman I know is has like an angry aunt. Every season that went by, I swear to God, and we had this conversation, it was always the question, is it going to be renewed? Are you going to do season four? Then it was, are you going to do season five? Like, this is a conversation I've been having with you for years. Yeah. We haven't heard yet. We don't know. 
we're, we're only doing, you know, eight episodes this time, or we're doing 10, or we're, we're waiting. And the success of the show, Catherine had posted something statistically at one point of the revenue that this show was, you know, pulling in for Netflix and where it had gone in 87 countries or something outrageous like that. Um, and I was just wondering if those kinds of stats are ever bothersome to you when you look at what actors are fundamentally making in this country. Oh, yeah. I mean, and when it's numbers like $470 million that have been generated or something, I'm like, where is it going? <laughs> Not in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Not, no, I think, you know, I think Canadian actors get paid a quarter of what Americans do. You know, I was on two TV shows for like four straight years and was, was still struggling to pay my mortgage, my bills, my all the things, be a single mom. Like, it's not, and my U.S. representation is like, you should be set for life. You should be fine. And I'm nowhere near. Like, Does that make you want to, like, change the way that you've done things or the way that you will do acting in the future? Uh, it makes me, I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons that make me want to act in a bigger pool. And, you know, the dream would be to um, work in the U.K., really, like, make shows. Oh. I think everything they're doing with television, you know, how they they revere their their actors in such a way, they hold them in such high regard and they make these miniseries mini and they bang them out in eight episodes because they need to get them back to the stage to perform state. You know, it's like that's that's the essence of the craft is so important there and it's not here. I think that most people think it's a joke here and, and I don't feel that my craft is a joke. I, I love what I do. You bring up the UK and it's interesting because on a previous episode, we were talking about actors in Hollywood losing weight and, and doing things like that and what they're going to. And you bring up a good point in the UK. We see these limited series. We see these actors again and again pop up in, in Ireland and in Scottish series and in Wales series. And they can look really frumpy. They're not, you know, 36, 22, 36. Yes. Yeah. Like actual human beings. So it's not like, you know, you're going to be t- talking to someone, you know, Eve Miles, who's done so many great things over there. She, she's not going to be saying, yeah, I had to go on a diet for eight weeks before I started working. She's like, I probably just started working. Damn it. Yeah. Here I am. Give me my costume. Like none of, it doesn't seem like they're dogged by that. You see so many interesting, beautiful, mm-hmm. unique, different faces. Because if those shows were to be remade in the United States, per se, you would you would have a cast of characters that were so homogenized. And I and I maybe that's a really unfair comparison, but I feel like I'm still seeing that in mainstream television. Totally. Any of these women have they ever acted before or I, I don't want to tread where I'm hurting people's feelings of, of actor friends that I know, but it's like, come on, we can do better than that. Yeah. It's just losing sight of the craft and the work. It's like losing, when you lose sight of that, you get inundated with all the other ego shit and you, lo- you lose it. It's not important. We got to take a quick break. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with Danny Kind on the Jan Arden Show and podcast. to the Jan Arden podcast and show. I'm here with Sarah Burke and my friend, Danny Kind. A lot of people don't know this about you, and I've known this about you from the get-go. You are constantly learning. 
You are constantly in classes. Mm. You are constantly with an acting teacher. And the first time you said that to me, like at about, you know, by the time I'd heard you say it by year five, I'm like, this is something you do constantly is learn. Can you talk about that a little bit? I feel so lucky to have, I, I, there's so many acting coaches out there, but I have two of hands down the best ones for me. They're, they may not be for everyone. For me, they are it. I've been but with both of them for over 15 years. Uh, Michelle Lonsdale-Smith is one and John Riven is the other. And they coach me on my work and they, they are the only people that hold me accountable to tell the truth of who I am so that when I get work, I can go deeper each single time in whatever, if it's comedy, if it's drama, whatever it is, if it's theater, but I feel like those are the only people that hold me in a level of consciousness that I can't fuck around. And they remind me over and over again, how much I love acting. And, and that I feel like is the only thing that keeps me going because there can be years. I might not work for years now, you know, but I know that I go to my two acting classes every week and the art that is made in those rooms keeps me so inspired, keeps me also keeps my creativity like erupting all the time. And it's this industry is a long game. So the fact that I have them is just, I feel like the richest person in the world because I got those people in my corner and every athlete has a good coach. Like, why would I be? You need someone to be able to like look you in the face and be like, that sucked sometimes too, right? Like that's an important part of it. Yeah. Or you're fucking up. You got the internet for that. You got got the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But like when I had kids, you know, it was like, I, I didn't want to give up acting. I didn't want to take a break. I didn't want to. And I had two people in my corner being like, okay, so we'll figure this out with you. Like, we'll let's keep going together. It wasn't like, come back in a year. I was like, no, I'm good to go. I didn't birth out my art. I just made more. <laughs> yeah, I didn't birth out my art. I just made more. I made more creators, more creators on this planet. Yeah. Um, what do they think of mom? doing that and have they seen you on television and what was the reaction (laughs) there's like a running joke in my house where every time we sit down at nighttime to watch a movie as a family i'll go to work and moms and be like why don't we watch this and they're all like no like (laughs) they make fun of me all the time they i brought got to bring them to set this year and i felt so vulnerable doing it um Cause I think at times I compartmentalize being a mom and then I'll turn it off to go to work. And then I'm, I'll turn that off. And I'm really trying to integrate the two so that they are all one thing and working on that right now and having them at work made me feel so vulnerable. And it was ended up the best. A girlfriend of mine who works uh, in like news television, um, she just brought her kids to work for the first time. And like the conversation before was like, oh, I just don't know how people will look at me if I bring the kid the kid onto the set and the whole thing, right? So I, did you have any of that back and forth in your head before doing it? It wasn't like, I, I, I knew my kids would be well-behaved. Like I wasn't worried about that. What I was worried about was being, was slipping out and them seeing how I parent and them being like, oh, you're, you're, you know, when you, when I get a mom voice and I'm like, 
stop it or come on guys or let's go. Here's the end voice. Yeah. It's like, it's so revealing of self and also your pathology, like your mother's voice comes out and your, it all spills out. So that's what I was most, it just felt so vulnerable and it ended up being the greatest gift. Like it was so awesome. I just don't even know how you'd be able to deliver the lines. Did they have little headphones on? It did. Sitting by the, the in the in video village or what do you guys call it? Video village. Yeah, they were in video village with headphones, and one of my boys told everybody to be quiet because they were rolling and they yes, knew he did. But he was talking, and he was like, "Shh." And then one of the producers is like, "Well, one of your kids told us to shut up," and I was like, "Yay!" <laughs> Taught him well. Um, season seven. The episodes are unfolding fast. How do you feel about this franchise? You know, Catherine has said, that's it. We don't go past this. We don't, we're not doing a Christmas special. We're... Can I also ask, like, what, what goes into, like, it being time for the show to be done? Exactly. I think that's a Catherine Reitman question. I don't know that side of it because um, it's her show. I don't know who makes that call. I do feel very lucky that we got told in season six that season seven was going to be absolutely it. It was a great gift for all of us to process as we were filming. It also made filming feel more special. Um, yeah, I don't know who makes that call. I'm, I'm, I think we're all glad because I think it felt done. Seven years is a long haul. And we all went through a lot of things. We went through births and deaths and divorces. And, you know, it was like we were coworkers for seven years. So. I, I gotta say, I did miss Juno. Oh my God! Isn't she just the best? I I missed I missed seeing Juno's energy and characters, and I loved the, the new people that came on board, and I love where everyone's storyline went. But it, it's interesting the choices that we all make as artists and creators. That you know this is this is the end of the line for me, and this is where I I step off. And mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, there's just so much respect for that. But that's the thing when you're talking about births and deaths on this show. Yeah. And a little girl, your daughter, who grew up before our very eyes. And what an exceptional actor she is. I know. You've got some scenes with her. She's only my daughter in the show. She's not my daughter in real life. She's my daughter in real life. I wish, <laughs> I wish she was. I love her so much, Sadie Monroe. Yeah, Sadie who plays the Alice. And she is, but she literally shot up. Like when I saw her, I was yeah. lucky enough to go do another little, little tiny cameo on, uh, on the seventh season where we kind of got to touch on our relationship a bit. I was, I was happy with it, you know, just being able to, why are Anne and Jane like this? Like what is going on? I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't seen it, but yeah, it was lovely sitting with Sadie and, and kind of feeling like a grandma. I never thought I would ever in my life be at a point where I'd be anybody's grandma, but I really felt it like being on the set and just feeling kind of frumpy and in my little house with the weird furniture. I'm like, yeah, I'm a grandma, damn it. But you're so easy to work with. You you make it so seamless because I'm always nervous going into it. And you run lines with me like crazy. And you didn't look nervous at all. Like not, and you also came so prepared. Like you actually like invested in the scenes that we were doing, the storyline of it. You followed through from the past time you had been on. Like you took it so seriously and you did that the first time you came on the show too. Well, I would never, I never wanted to let anybody down and I was so thrilled. It was really like a, a, a magical dream to be doing that. Like I literally threw that out there. Yeah, if you ever need anyone on the show. 
So when you actually get a call from your agent, and of course I didn't have to audition, they just, I got the script and, oh, I was scared senseless. But all of you guys, Mimi Cusack and, and Catherine and, and Sarah, everyone was so kind. I, I had a great time. It really is one of the highlights of the last 20 years for me was to be able to meet all you guys and be there in that crazy castle in Toronto. <laughs> What's that castle called? C- castle Loma. Castle Loma. But it's tr- it was a trip. It's a trip that we got to do that, that that happened at all. Before I, I let you go into the wild west uh, of parenting and auditioning and learning and all the stuff that you do, talk to me about the projects that you've directed and tell me a little bit about where the manuscript is for the amazing pilot that I got to read. Oh. And I want to know more about the, the directing and, and that part of your life. And I directed a short film with Juno's husband, actually, that he wrote and he starred in uh, called Capsule. We did a short film. And then right after that, we went to camera for Working Moms. And then I got to direct an episode for the first time this year, which was amazing and a huge gift. 710. It's coming up soon. And... Uh, yeah, I'm just working on directing. I'm working on like having meetings right now with producers and building uh building relationships with them in a way that is not like I'm I'm an actor. I'm I'm also a director now and I love it so much and I'm in a weird place. That pilot actually I co-created with um a writer named Rose Napoli. She wrote it. But because I'm not a writer director, I feel like I'm in this in-between place of like how do I grow as a director without shooting something that I've written and finding script is, scripts is really hard. It's, it seems like we're inundated with content that's just dying to be made, but I guess that's not the truth of it. I think also I'm reading a lot of things that I'm just not connecting to on a, on a personal level. So it's I find that tricky. Um, I find the same as an actor too, you know, it's like, but I just, I'm just taking a lot of classes. I'm taking classes with the Sundance collab right now and a lot of directing classes with them. And then my acting classes with my coaches and I'm in the gardening phase, I'm calling it where you're just planting seeds and then I'll see what comes out of it. Do you have interest in writing? I do. What I read was so riveting and I just, I was visualizing everything. I was visualizing it. I have to say, I was being shocked because I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, please be okay because it's my friend and you don't want to be in this really weird <laughs> position where you're like, I really like the type of paper that you guys use to print it out and the font. How did you decide on the f- what font to go with, you guys? Like, you've been there, Danny Kind. Of course I have, yes. I was reading this and I'm like, holy shit. I just, and I thought already, and I read it all in one fell swoop. Um, because it was such a different, and I loved the character. I loved, oh my God, it was such a, it was such a mess. Such a mess. Such and dark. A mess. But I feel like it was ahead of its curve. I feel like that's what people are ingesting now with television. Like that's the place that it should, it should be being made right now on Paramount Plus. Where are you, Paramount Plus? Look <laughs> <Look> us up. <laughs> um, People would kill me if I didn't ask you, what do you, what do you like to do for fun other than hanging out with me and going for dinner once in a while when we can get away? But what do you like to do? I know doing stuff with your kids, but there's also just you. What do you like to do? Um, That makes me want to get on a plane right now and come see you. The thought of going out for dinner with you. I 
would love that. We can, I just have so many fond memories. Uh, one of the weirdest heart things I ever had, Danny was here and I had tachycardia and I could not get out of it. And I normally can. And now since that visit, I have medication that I can take and I'm much better. But how scary that must have been for you. Danny was looking at me. She's on the internet looking up, profusely sweating. And I'm like, no, I just dumped water in my face. I'm not sweating. I just, I just splashed really cold water in my face. What's it called that you went through? I had tachycardia. So it's okay. my heart's doing like 170 beats a minute and it's out of rhythm. So Danny drove me into the hospital. This is the kind, this is what friendships are made on. This, this kind of stuff right here is experiences. And um, mm. I never want to do that to anybody again, but I couldn't have picked a better, more kind, calm person. <laughs> Let's go. Is that emergent? Is that where we, can we park here? Okay. I'll just, I'm going to let you out. Can you get in? Okay. No, it was just, and you could have someone who's panic stricken. I don't know what to do. Let me, you know, running, setting their hair on fire and running out into the yard. And thank God I had somebody who's a mother with two small children that has probably seen blood spirting out of ears and fingers dangling from their limbs. So with a parent, you are in good goddamn hands. I, I have been to emerge a lot of times with my kids, but also you didn't do that to me. That was a situation that happened and we got to have a very intimate hangout at the hospital. It was a great time. I had a great time. I would hang out with you anywhere. We just got lucky that way. I think you and I both meet a lot of people in our industry. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while you get very lucky on a, on a cosmic a level on a chemical chemistry level where yeah. you hit it off with someone and uh, you're stuck with me for life. So, and, and I'm always cheering you on. I was so excited when you were able to come and do the show. This is, you've done it before, but people want to know about, you know, you and the show and Danny fucking kind and everything that comes with that, that <laughs> crazy group of fans that you have. And um, they're a very dedicated lot. I'll tell you what, you're in a constant mosh pit, Danny. You've just got <laughs> thousands of people moshing you through life. And I, and I love that about you. And I love that for you because you're very kind and giving right back. So get on the plane. I'll see you what in a couple hours. What's happening yeah, there? I'll see you in a couple hours. I'll, uh, kids can figure out their own lives and I'll see you in a minute. Leave the tap running and put food out. They'll figure it out. They're so cute. They're growing up fast. I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, thank you so much for being with us today. We've talked so much about mental health on this show. I just got to ask too, like you play a therapist, right? In, in working moms. How do you approach mental health in your real life? That's hilarious. I literally just got off the phone with my therapist uh, 20 minutes before this, was bawling my eyes out. Oh no. And we ran over and she was like, uh, just want to check in, you know, we're at the final few minutes, just want to make sure you're in an emotional state. Like, how are you doing? And I was like, I got to go do a podcast. And she's like, okay. Um, okay. Good luck with your podcast. <laughs> so lovely. She's so lovely. Um, I'm a big advocate of therapy. I'm a big advocate of digging inside and excavating and seeing what's there. And, um, and just growing. I, I just, I feel like uh, it makes me a better artist and a better mother and hopefully one day a better partner to somebody if I b- end up being with somebody. Lucky person. <sighs> My phone number is six four. No, just joke. <laughs> My phone number is 571-117155. Hashtag happy face. 
<laughs> but you know you could have texted us for the record to be like, guys, I'm not feeling my best today. Like, so thank you. No, but in. I didn't. I mean, bawling my eyes out one minute and doing going to the craft truck the next minute is kind of also part of my life. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, do you have any bran muffins today? <laughs> God, remember the day, Danny, when we could go to craft services and grab shit for ourselves? I know. Corn licorices and this and that and put our hands and everything. And now there's a little woman looking out a window and it's never going to go away. I know. Then they fucking know how much you're eating. I know. That's they know the- what you're taking. Yeah, you. this is your third bag of salt and vinegar chips. Fuck. Shame. I really do miss you, Danny, and I really do hope you can come. I'm uh I'm gonna message you because I want to even if it's for like two nights I just want to come and come come for three like don't two nights we'll you'll you'll get off the plane we'll eat you know watch a movie and I'll be dropping you off again so three nights at least we can go do something and get some air and go for a good hike and decompress yeah. I'd love to see you and I I didn't see anyone on tour I thought I'd see Sarah for a lunch and I saw I thought I'd see Caitlin S- Cynthia I never saw anybody I literally was dragging myself from one show to the next. Yeah, it but. sounded like a grind, this one. For you. It really was. Yeah. It was a tight schedule. and Winter too, right? So. Yeah, I just didn't realize how tired I'd be. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so glad just to be home and I've got a few days to hang out. I want to thank you, Danny Kind, so much for coming and doing the podcast and show. Sarah and I have been excited all day about talking to you. And continued success, whatever it is that you end up doing, I will be there cheering you on, and it has been a joy to watch the show unfold. Winona Earp has been so frickin' fun. I mean, you've been playing these very strong, peculiar women, and uh, I just hope you, you keep doing it. Thanks for bringing some new people into the world, your sons. The world is better off having you. But uh, yeah, let's let's get together soon. And I can't wait to watch the finale. I have no idea what's going to happen or what you guys have done. And and I know you can't even give anything away, but Catherine dies, doesn't she? <gasps> Can you imagine? People are going, they're, they're gasping. I am making that up. Catherine does not pass over. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Danny Kind. Uh, one of the stars of the unbelievably successful Working Moms franchise that you can see on Netflix, you can see on Gem, the CBC app, and you can see them on CBC. I think uh, season seven just is about to do its big finale. Season finale next week, so we are celebrating. Yeah. This is the Jan Arden Podcast. Once again, we thank you so much. Subscribe, review, hit a star, and uh, keep those comments coming. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, Bye for now. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.